Alright guys, as you can hear, my voice is gone. Here's Luke Durbridge. Hi guys, um, as you can hear, Mitch has lost his voice, so I've uh, come over to help him uh, help him out to the intro. Um, I'm filling in for croaky voice, Mitch Docker. Thanks for tuning in to Life in the Peloton. Always like being on here. Uh, this week, Mitch actually sat down with Ellie Woods. Canadian pro cyclist Mike Wood's wife to chat about life behind the scenes in support in a foreign country. He finds out there are both ups and downs of living away from home for a partner, but ultimately it's a great life experience. And, you know, having my own wife over here, there is some uh, ups and down challenges. And um, I've had a little sneak peek, listen to uh, Ellie's podcast, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So uh, enjoy. Have a listen and um, wait to hear next time on Life in the Peloton. Beautiful, mate. Good intro. While I've got you here, fresh back from the Giro, give me a quick summary. Three weeks on the road, last minute call up. How are you feeling three days after Giro? What was your Giro wrap up? Two minutes. Give me a quick rundown. Well, I'm feeling great because I've had maybe three or four beers. <laughs> um, but in general, good. Um, it was nice to do the Giro. I hadn't done it to, since 2015. Um, I think that this Giro, the Giro does live up to everything uh, that you see. It is the, one of the hardest bike races in the world, I can guarantee you that. Um, some of the stages we did and the distances we did were, were borderline on the limit. Um, but coming back, um, I've sort of thought about this a lot. This is, uh, you know, that the one week of bliss that you always look forward to, you deserve anything you want to do. You sit back and you relax. There's nothing, nothing stresses you. This week is just the most magic week after a grand tour. You know it. And, uh, so I'm in this magic week right now. I'm sure in a week's time, I'll start stressing about training and, you know, nutrition and all this sort of stuff. But this week is just nothing but enjoyment and uh, looking after being back home with my wife and et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the Giro terms, it was a great Giro, you know. If you think about the winner, um, what a story, you know, an Ecuadorian, first time to ever win a, win a Grand Tour. And uh, the shark is back. You know, he was knocking on door of winning. Everyone was speaking about Rogelik and Longshu ran third, and that was a great result. But you would have thought he would have, you know, walked it in and this Ecuadorian come up and took the crown in the end. And uh, I think the Giro got what they wanted. They wanted a battle in the mountains, and they got one and uh, finished off with a beautiful time trial in Verona. So, look, being a part of the race, I was... I was uh, obviously on my limit a lot of the time, but looking back as a whole, I think it's uh, was a beautiful Giro, and um, I'm happy to be a part of that one. On that note, Ellie Woods. Welcome, Ellie Woods. Thank you. Life in the Peloton. We're in this amazing place up in Andorra, your little hideaway, and you've invited me up here to record a podcast. And we've been talking about doing this podcast for a little while, which seems to be a common thing with all my guests. I start getting this idea about a podcast, and then it doesn't end up happening until like a few months later. But we've sat down, we've watched the end of the Giro, we've got her husband, Mike Woods, cooking us dinner in the background, if you hear him. Master chef cooking up a big meal. So we've got, you know, everything's perfect. Glass of uh, kombucha. And we're ready to hear about the life of a wife of a pro cyclist. Sounds great. Or as some people <laughs> like to call it, the wags of the peloton. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wives and girlfriends, that is. And I thought it was really interesting and something I've been wanting to do for a long time because something that I've noticed with my own wife, Lydia, 
it's not just her being your wife, and I think this is in all walks of life, whether it's a pro cyclist or whether it's just a businessman or whatever it is, you make a bond as a husband and wife and it's about support and it's about supporting each other. But I think it gets amplified a lot. Well, I believe it gets amplified a lot, us being away from home over in Europe and also with professional sport, I think it's an emotional roller coaster too. And I know that my relationship with Lydia is, is really, really important to my success in my career and she's a big part of it. So I thought looking at you and Mike, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I thought you're not super old in the game, but you're not brand new. You're right in that middle where you're just understanding life in the peloton yeah. as, as, a, as a partner, as a wife. So I guess I'll, I'll run to my first question here. Tell me a little bit about yourself before we get into it. You know, your education, where you grew up, what sports you're into? Let's sure. hear a little bit about you. Sure. So I I grew up in Ottawa, Canada, uh, same as as Mike, and uh, I grew up in a, a small town called Manitic on the Rideau River. And so growing up, I swam a lot. And in grade twelve, I actually I got into uh, running, and mm. that's how how Mike and I eventually met. Uh, we ran for a local track club uh, called the Ottawa Lions, um, and then. Uh, getting nervous here mm. it's all right. <laughs> but I um yeah I I grew up um in Manitic I went to school stayed locally in Ottawa so really like for me coming to Europe was mm. the first time that I actually kind of left home left the home time. base yeah, yeah exactly but uh I was really active in sports I I skate skied I did biathlon um so skiing and shooting, mm. uh, just like for fun. And uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I love how you just sort of just dance across that biathlon, like everyone does that. You yeah, know, it's like yeah. oh, yeah, you know, like I did biathlon, like like I run down the street, like biathlon. It's such a peculiar sport, yeah. I think, from the outside. Like, how the hell did you ever get into biathlon? <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny, but in in high school, uh, I cross country skied a lot, yeah. and so. Um, I got classic, into it. Classic style. A classic yeah. and then eventually skate. Mm-hmm. But um, my dad, so my dad was the one who got me into it. Like he was always into like just really obscure endurance space sports. Mm. And uh, he actually happened to be really into airplanes as well. And mm. so he signed my brother and I up, unpronounced to us, uh, to air cadets. And oh, so yeah. I ended up in air cadets for a few years and they had a program um, where you could get into biathlon. Oh, yeah. And so that's how I got into it. I started in high school, skate skiing, and then um, I started racing uh, through through the air cadet program. Is that because they've got access to guns? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to see the, the link. I'm trying to see some kind of... <laughs> crossover link there yeah. yeah I I don't know but as a kid I loved it and it yeah. was awesome and in in Canada like particularly where we're from uh we live by the Gatineau Park and it's just an incredible place like in the, the summer it's awesome for cycling mm. uh in the winter they they groom like over 100 kilometers mm. a pass for skate skiing so I think it was just also like based out of accessibility mm. and yeah I got into it it was fun I did it for a few years and then um after that I I really started getting into running let me just quickly I want to ask you just a couple of technical things about biathlon sure is it really hard to actually I know this is probably the hardest part but the the calming of the heart rate down to do the shooting what's yeah, the technique it's, there it's really really hard so I mean for for like for us as kids mm. um we didn't actually carry the guns so we would come into the range and the guns would be there and we would lie down versus like when you're watching in the olympics now they um, stand they're up. standing oh, yeah. yeah and so it's lying easier it's easier uh so that was one part of it and then the other part was um you really just have to kind of budget your effort mm. so um for me like i knew that if i could come in a little bit slower um, it would be better uh, because if you miss a target, mm. we would get a minute added onto your time. Yeah, it's huge. And so that's a huge. And like at the time, you're thinking like, I'm 10 seconds. I'm losing 10 seconds yeah. to this person, yeah. but actually no, a minute would kill you. Yeah. But don't you have to do little loops when you miss it? Yeah, so there, it depends like in the competition itself. Oh. But most races I did as a kid, they would add a minute on, and then. Well, you just had to sit there for a minute. 
No, you don't have to sit on, but it, it's just after your, your, oh. your time racing, oh, they so, add it on. So do you, you know you've got a minute penalty, so you're yeah. thinking, I need to be a minute in front of the winner yeah, to exactly. win. Yeah, exactly. So like oh, when you're coming out of the range, you're like, oh, shit, like I got to gun it now because yeah, I just right. lost, you know, a minute or two minutes back there. Shit. Yeah, and then I had I had done um, competitions as well where they would actually have you do circles. Loops. Yeah. Oh, so they don't do that yeah. in the pros, they do just the circles, do they? Or they do the minute thing too? I, I think they just do the circles, mm. yeah. And sometimes that can be under a minute. Why didn't you just continue on with that? Uh, Well, I stopped doing cadets because I realized that the end goal of going to the military was not something that was for me. And uh, for me, like, I just, I always loved the skiing component more than the actual shooting component. Um, What about cross-country skiing racing then? I I actually did do a bit of cross-country ski racing. um, And then... I, I really just, like, I fell in love with running. Because of the summer, you think? Yeah, I think the yeah. summer and just, I think I love the simplicity of running. Mm. Like, you really just throw your running shoes on and, mm. like, a simple outfit and you're out your door. Mm. Versus uh, skiing, for me, like, it was still, like, you're putting the skis in the car, you're driving. Mm. Like, there's just There's also the, we- the weather element of it, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you got to rely on the good snow. you got to yeah. wait for that. yeah. 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 yeah, but no, I, I. Uh, so yeah, you were you were telling me. Sorry, I interrupted to yeah. go back to that. But you were telling me you you ended up then once you went to university, yeah. started running. Yeah. So well, I, I started just at the end of high school. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and then um, decided I really liked it. Um, I stayed locally uh, at the University of Ottawa, and I ran uh, for their varsity team there, mm-hmm. and so competed. Mostly indoors, actually, mm. because of the way the school semester semester worked. Um, you would run indoors. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, so it's a big big thing in. Is it indoor yeah, racing in Canada? Yeah, it is actually. Oh. Um, and usually the distances are a little different. Like you have the one k indoors or the six hundred versus like outdoor on the track. You have the four hundred and the eight hundred. Yeah. yeah. Well, how long is the track indoors? Uh, two hundred meters. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing a few laps. And, and it's banked. Yeah, it's banked, uh, depending on, like, what track you're on. Uh, we were lucky in Ottawa, there was a track that was actually 400 meters long. Uh, Indoor. Yeah, I think it was one of the only ones in North America. Cool. Yeah, so we we'd, we were lucky enough to be able to race and train on that. Mm. Yeah. But, it makes a big difference running on a big track, does it? Yeah, it does. It, Why? Um, I just I just think it's, it's just what you typically train on outdoors, mm. and so to bring that over to indoors, it's, it's easier. Would you have people who were better indoors on a small track and weren't so good then on the big tracks outdoors? Yeah, I would, I don't know. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like I think some people well, like, think use about, the bank actually. Think about yourself. Yeah. Were you yeah. better indoors or outdoors? Mm, I would say I was pretty equal. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I really love the 800. Like that mm. was my favorite and we didn't race that too much inside mm. um yeah i love the 800 did some 1500 stuff and then cross country in the oh, fall yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice yeah all right well then fast forward so but you went then to university because different to mike mike went to uni you know because mike was a bit of a dumbass and he had to, <laughs> just to get to uni because you know he was a runner whereas you were the other way around yeah and you know you went to uni on academic scholarship that's what you were telling me before yeah tell me a bit of bit about that um yeah so in in canada we're we're lucky in the sense that um you do you can be eligible for academic scholarship we don't really offer um athletic scholarships uh in canada so Mm -hmm. um basically it was in in grade 12 if you um if you graduated with the high marks um a lot of universities would offer um a scholarship Mm -hmm. and so i was lucky enough um where just one of our local universities did offer me a scholarship. So majority of my education was, was paid for. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then that's when you were running then at university. Yeah. Is that when you crossed paths with Mike? Yeah, so I was, I was running at university, but prior to going to university in high school, um, I started running for a local track club okay. called the Ottawa Lions. That's right, you said that. Yeah, and uh, so Mike and I, we met there. Like we, we knew of each other, I would say like since we were 16 years old and I was actually good friends with Mike's sister, another like super talented runner, Danelle. Mm. And, um, so I knew of Mike and like everyone in Ottawa knew of Mike, like Mike was just a star runner. (laughs) Like I knew of him, but I never really got to actually know him. And so, um, he came back 
from university um, yeah. one year he was injured and typically in the summers he he would go and race in Europe right. but this particular summer where he was injured he was he was at home in Ottawa and so uh, we were at our friend's cottage and I was actually dating someone at the time and then I, I met Mike and he just swept me off my feet. I, I went home after, you know, hanging out at my mom, like at the cottage. And I went back to my mom and I just said, you know, I'm in trouble. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it was really, I, I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> we were 20, 21 at the time and really the rest was history. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> because, well, I think it's, this is something that Mike touched on in one of the times I spoke to him. I can't remember exactly. It might have been in the first podcast we did or the other one. But I think a really integral point to Mike's career, but also a little bit interesting to how you've ended up across here is that when you met Mike and then when you guys got married, Mike was a runner. Yeah. And then ultimately you're over here now with him as he's a pro cyclist. So I guess it doesn't always happen like that, but I think with a with a lot of cyclists or even professional sportsmen, they're sort of doing that as an amateur level when they meet their partners. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, their partner knows sort of what they're buying into. Yeah. Like, okay, you're going to be a pro footballer. I sort of know that. Or maybe you're aspiring to be that, whatever. But with Mike, he sort of threw a curveball. Or maybe you actually helped him on that path. Tell me a little bit about the story from what I understand is that Mike was sort of searching to become a pro cyclist after his injury and was like sort of in that crossroads where he hadn't quite made it or he was, he needed to go full gas and there was a bit of a financial situation. Do I do this? Do I not? Tell me a little bit about how Mike came across to to Europe from your side of it. Sure. So yeah. So when, when Mike and I first, um, when we first met, like I was saying that that year he was injured and I think that was, uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but a bit of a a turning point for him where it was just um, after that, it was kind of one injury after another in running. Um, He did go on um, after we um, initially met to continue running for a while. Um, And I, after he graduated university and he came back to Ottawa, um, he, he was pursuing running, but it just didn't look like it was going to happen. Mm. Like his, his foot um, ended up rebreaking again. He got surgery. It rebroke again after that. And for me, it was just really heartbreaking to see. Um, mm. I, I was working full time at the time I was working at IBM. And um, I could see Mike, you know, still pursuing this dream, this dream of running. And it was just really, um, it was just really like sad in a sense because he had such talent, but mm. his his body wasn't holding up. He he broke his navicular bone. I think it ended up being three times mm. in total, and I witnessed two of those times. Mm. And uh, you know you'd, you'd just be heartbroken after that. And so Mike started working uh, these jobs, which I think he would call them dead end jobs. <laughs> um, he was working. Uh, as a bank teller for a little while, <laughs> he'll be the first to tell you he's, he's not good with numbers. Mm. And uh, and then he was working at a running um, a running store, and yeah, he just he just wasn't happy, and mm. I I could see it. And mm. so um, I come he'd come home after work, and I you know finish up my day, and there was just to me like something missing. It was that spark that I initially saw in mm. him in the very beginning, and um, he had some friends that were cyclists and so they were actually runners too but um one friend in particular Luke Mahler was really really into cycling and so he encouraged Mike to come out um to these local group rides so Mike started um doing these local group rides and I really just started noticing this shift in um just just his his um like overall persona like Mm. he was just happier and I, it just kind of continued. He, you know, said, you know, I think I want to do some local races. And um, he did. And, like, he did really well. Like, he had no idea what he was doing. He would show up to these races with, like, uh, his dad's bike, like, running, you know, short socks yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Like, people just were making fun of him left, right, and center. But but he would go on and, and usually win them. And 
it was just, yeah, it was like kind of a funny thing. And, and like through the community of auto, they like recognize like this guy has talent, like let's help mm. him out. And so I think it was, you know, one day where Mike came home and he said, I actually, I want to give this a go, you know, and I want to actually try to race for like a full season. Cause, um, there was always, I think in the back of his mind initially was, you know, I'm still trying to pursue running and I'm trying to pursue this, this dream of going to the Olympics and running. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I really think it was just a few years, you know, where he started to really actually fall in love with the sport of cycling mm. and the community. And there's such a strong community in Ottawa. And from my perspective, I just really recognized it. And I, more than anything, I just saw that he was happy again. And I, I really wanted to support that. What, what did you say in that moment? Like, because I can imagine you were starting to get set up in your own career there. Yeah, yeah, I was. And you're like... I can see what you're thinking that his happiness was a nice situation because, you know, coming home, even though you might have your career going, if someone's just not happy, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. So suddenly he found that happiness again. And, and were you feeling like, oh, hang on, you need to find something to, to help me now have a support my career? Or were you just like, you know what, I want to just see you happy and if I, I can see that this is making you happy? Yeah, I I felt like, you know, I really want to support Mike and mm. like being happy. Like this is the the person I married. This mm. is the person I've committed to, and I want to be with that person. And I think also it was just, um, it was just a matter of I always believed in him. Like I saw him like at the top of, and maybe I was completely naive, but I just like was like, oh, you know what, like if. I saw how great you were as a runner. Like, I'm sure you could probably be one of the best cyclists. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I had no clue what that actually meant. Um, and, you know, what the process was for, for getting to the world tour. But I believed in him. So when he came home one day and said, you know, I want to go after this. I was like, yeah, okay, like let's do this. Like, I believe in it and I believe in you. And so to me, it was like as simple as that. Now looking, like then, now looking back on it now, I'm like, holy crap. Like we, we were actually really lucky too, yeah. you know? So, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I felt, and I didn't think I really realized at that point in time that there would be a point where I maybe needed to make some decisions about my own career. Like mm. I just didn't realize like even the whole Europe thing yeah. was an option for us. Yeah. What was your view then about, did you have any idea where it could go when he was like, or you said you should go for it, become a professional. He was like, I want to become a professional. Did you have any idea what that entailed? No, like yeah. especially in Canada, like yeah. cycling in Canada is, is just the tour de France. Like mm. it's, that's, that's it really. Like that's all you really know. That's all that's on TV. And so, like, I was like, well, is that what you want? Because that looks kind of cool. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, but um, no, I don't think we had no clue. We didn't know Girona existed or Andorra mm. existed. We we really had no idea. Like, I think even for Mike going into cycling, his first goal in cycling was to make the Olympics. Yeah. Because it was just like in running, that's the be all end all. Yeah. Like you, you, you run to like, to make the, and go to the Olympics. And so he had that very like, you know, running mentality mm. and that approach to cycling when he first started. And I guess that comparison too, you're like, well, if you want to be a pro runner, you can more or less do it from your home. I can still do this job that I'm doing and Mike can go away, race, whatever. Okay. Pro cycling, I guess it's something similar. Maybe yeah. goes to Europe a bit more, whatever, but yeah. you know, we'll go to the Olympics, we'll go to the Tour de France, we'll come back and life will go on yeah but then i guess as the story goes things started unraveling a bit more and at what point was it when you finally then made that move to europe were you like or when the idea of moving to europe came when was that point where you're like oh this is a whole different ball game yeah i think um for me it probably was um initially when when mike mike was lucky in the sense that uh he had some really good people behind him. Um, there was one guy in Cycling Canada um, who was working there at the time, Nick Vipon, who said, you know, we need, we need to take a chance on Mike. And mm. they actually brought him up. Um, he raced Tour de Beauce with the Canadian cycling team with very limited experience at that time. And, uh, and then he ended up racing Montreal and Quebec City. And he did, when I went to those events, I think for me, I just at that point never realized how like big mm. bike racing can be. 
and uh, really good ones to go to too. Yeah, you know, like just really to, to feel like the size of racing. Yeah. Completely, and just like from a spectator um, perspective, they're really friendly. Like yeah. it's a circuit race, and so I, I remember going to that race, <laughs> and I was like, "Holy crap! Like this is like a whole thing," you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and then Mike, it's a whole world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Mike started watching more races on TV, like beyond you know just the tour. Yeah. He was actually like you know going online and going into the dark web to find those links to watch, you know, Liège and things like this. And then like, just by virtue of me being around, I was, you know, introduced to it. And I was like, Mm. Oh, there's, this is a whole other world for us. And yeah, I think it was really for me at at those two races where I was like, okay, this is pretty big. Did that excite you then? Like when the, when the idea was presented, I guess probably along the, how the story would go when Mike signed with, um, Cannondale, mm-hmm. the idea then was, well, you've got to move to Europe now, mate. Yeah. And did that excite you or did that scare you in the beginning? I think a, a little bit of both. Like yeah. I, for me, I think I, I was, I was very excited um, in the sense that, I mean, I, I've traveled with my family before, but I've never lived, like I said earlier, outside of Ottawa. Like I've mm. just was born and raised there, went to school there, worked there. So this idea of this completely new life experience was super exciting for mm. me. Um, but at the same time, I uh, I was scared of the unknown. Mm. And Mike's first contract with, with Cannondale at the time was a one-year contract. So mm. it was it was kind of a make or break for us. And yeah. I, I was really trying to figure out, well, how do I fit work into the equation? Yeah. Um, do I, you know, have to give up my career? There are all these types of questions, um, you know, despite my excitement. I was like, well, how, like, realistic is this for us? Totally. Right? And one year, it's like, well, do I, up, do I upheave my whole life and come across for one year and we could be back here in a year? Yeah, exactly. You know? But then on the flip side, if I don't show that support, if I don't, if we all don't do this together, maybe it will only be one year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is that. No, hundred percent. And like I know, like for Mike and I, we operate in such a like a good partnership. Yeah. And like I, I knew that I needed to be there for him, and I know that he needed me there as well. Yeah. And so like I, we both just needed each other. Like that's just when we're the best when we're together. And so, um, I, I, I there was never like there was never um, a question of me not going. Yeah. But. Yeah, definitely was something that I was, again, really excited but from super your, nervous. From your side, there was no question of going or was it from Mike's side too? I'd say from, from both of our yeah. sides. Yeah. 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 He, he understood yeah. that, yeah. how important you were to him. Yeah. For him to be racing over there successfully, he needed yeah. you in your corner. Well, I think it, it goes back to just like Mike. I mean, Mike as an individual, as an athlete, at least from what I've seen over the you know 12 years that we've been together, he performs – his best when he's happy and he's yeah. having fun. And I think if we were not together, it just, it just would have been more of a job. I mean, it is a job, but totally. You know, yeah. You know. Well, I think that's the point that I was touching on at the start is over here. You don't have a lot of family Yeah. and my wife and now my, my two kids, they're my little family, yeah, you know, and completely. to come back and in the beginning, it was just my wife. They just really felt like, it's the only person you can be a hundred percent open and honest to. You've yeah. still got good friends and stuff, but it's not the same. So to have that, if you have that no one to come back to and it's just a Skype call, it's still not the same. And so you try and create this little nice little um safety net at yeah. home, yeah. I guess you call it, and yeah. happy place. And that starts with you with your partner, you know, and then you Completely. build a family after that. Yeah. Yeah, we really tried to make Girona home like even with the one-year contract we said let's commit to this and you know see what we can do but what about then was there a question about your own profession there were you just like you know what let's just see what happens in a year I'll take a break and I'll keep that going or were you just like you know what I'm just going to commit to this and just see where my career goes afterwards yeah I would I I would say I was I was lucky in the sense that um so I, I graduated uh, with a commerce degree, and then I started working in in tech when I was nineteen. Um, I worked at IBM for for four years, and then I went on to work for um, Hewlett Packard for mm-hmm. five. And um, I think it was around two to three years um, working at Hewlett Packard. There's a big push to have people work 
uh, remotely from home. Oh, wow. And so for me, I mean, that was music to my ears. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that, that meant I could travel a little bit more with Mike, like as long as I was, you know, on work calls when I needed to be. And um, I was flexible with my, my time um, in the sense that, you know, I realized that I was going to be in Europe, but having to work on North American time, mm. um, that, you know, I, I could work remotely. And mm. so I was lucky in the sense that initially I didn't have to put my career on the back burner and um, the company was was really was really good with yeah. accommodating it. So, um, yeah, I ended up doing that for a few years. Um, well, initially when he first started and then for a year when I was in Girona. And then it, it did get to a point where we realized, okay, well, you know, Mike's going to be doing this for more than a year. Uh, he's had some results and it looks like the team will keep him around. Mm. And I was actually wanting uh, something a little bit um, even more flexible than mm. what HP could offer me. And, and I ended up working um, with a startup for, for three years called SAJAC. Um, cool. Yeah. So I, I think I'm really lucky in the sense that um, I came into this world uh, with a background in yeah. working remotely. Um, but I know a lot of other women, um, it can be hard cause there's, there are, I've met, you know, um, friends of mine, wives of other professional cyclists where the, you know, they were teachers or, um, their careers just weren't as mobile. Yeah. And so the sacrifice for, for them is, is just very real. How do you think they, how do you think they go about it, get around it? Or how do you think they're coping with that? I think for the most part, everyone that I've met is coping with it like really, really well. Like these are, um, at least everyone I've met are, are strong, independent women mm. and, you know, they support their husbands, but a lot of them, it's not at the detriment of their own careers. They just realize that they have to do it. Um, they have to pursue a career in a, in a more uh, creative way. Mm. So um, for instance, I know some women that, you know, they were teachers in the States or in Australia and they've come over and they are teaching at a language school hmm. in Girona. And so it, it's really good to see. Or they're pursuing, um, you know, they're very artistic. And yeah. so they're pursuing um, a career in art and things that allow them that flexibility. And you really do see um, just some amazing people that are saying, hey, you know what, like I'm supporting my husband, but I'm also going to do something for myself as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I find it really inspiring. I think that's true. It, it does, if you look at it that way, it gives you an opportunity to pursue something you may not have been able to in your own country because you're like, I'm earning money in this. Yeah. This is sort of what I was trained in. But actually my passion I've realized over the last five, six years is graphic design or totally. interior design or whatever it might be. But unfortunately, I don't have time for that now. But mm -hmm. now suddenly you've been taken out of that bubble and you're like, I've actually got time to pursue something else. Yeah. I'm going to take that chance before I go back to my country and then slip back into something I didn't want to do. Maybe I could have this career in this other profession, which yeah. I think is a really good opportunity. I yeah. never really saw it like that. Yeah, it's, I think it's sometimes the transitions, at least for like it is hard at first because you know, you're, you're used to someone every day telling you, you know, what to do in, let's say, a nine-to-five typical job. And then all of a sudden, you are kind of slammed with just so much opportunity and so much um, time. Like, you have time. Mm. And you're like, oh, you have to sit with yourself and really just be like, okay, what is it that I love and what is it that I want to do? And how do I then, you know, actually go about creating that? And mm. I think sometimes that's almost harder than waking up and, you know, having to be at a desk at 9 a.m. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that that question like, what do I want to do? You know, it's like it's it's not as easy as you think. And it's no. like you said, being honest with yourself and just thinking, you know, what do I really love? Mm -hmm. Let's pursue that. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Know? But at the same time, how lucky are, are we um, to be in that position? Yeah. And so it's just it, I think it's just about taking that step back and trying to make the most of it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit of racing now. Okay. <laughs> Do you go to bike races? Some of them, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I try to – I really like the one days. Um, like, like I was saying, like Montreal and Quebec, the ones that are super uh, spectator-friendly. Uh, I really love those. Grand Tours I find are a little bit more difficult mm. um, just because, well, of the duration. And the logistics and of the getting logistics. to a stage. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So typically for a Grand Tour, uh, I'll come in for the end. Mm. So – um, the party night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I want a good booze, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, the guys are all happy because they're done. So <laughs> I'll come in for the end. You don't want to come in like stage 12, no. 13, the grim somewhere no. in the top of a mountain. No, yeah. exactly. Uh, I Sometimes I try to coordinate with Mike like a rest day, but even uh, I think it was last year at the Giro, I was looking at coming in for a rest day and even just the logistics around that were pretty difficult. Mm. And then it, we finally decided um, for me not to come in just because Mike was telling me about his day and it was so jam-packed like mm. it was media a bike ride like a you know flush out like a shakeout or whatever you want to know what's the term that you guys what a, a massage or like when you guys go for a oh, easy, an easy bike spin, ride yeah, yeah. easy ride easy i guess ride. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what 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 does mike use a flush out does he try and like make a it technical flush? i think that's a running term yeah right <laughs> I'm just adept bringing running terms into this. He's, he's trying to, you know, yeah. glori- shakeout, glorify the coffee ride, yeah, exactly. is he? Yeah. Exactly. A shakeout. Um, I'll call it a shakeout. That's yeah. a running term. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like it just was such a jam-packed day that mm-hmm. I, I decided not to come. So Is it funny? Because this is one thing that's actually been quite weird is that when my wife or even I've seen some other guys, girlfriends or whatever – wives come to the race yeah the teams are quite funny about it yeah. it's a quite a weird situation it shouldn't be weird from either side but it becomes this really awkward situation have yeah. you felt that yeah totally and you don't, I don't know where to be or yeah it's awkward i think because i mean I, I talk about it with mike sometimes because it all sometimes i'll end up at a race and you're like oh, i just felt like kind of in the way yeah in and the it's way. like why they make them feel like that yeah you know? and i don't think it's it's purposely done like i just think that everyone's there and they're doing their job and like for you guys like you're there to perform and even with mike like i've noticed um like he's just so in the zone that yeah. i like he's still like you know mike but at the same time we're not gonna he's not gonna come over and like shoot the shit with me at the beginning of a race like yeah, it's yeah. just not gonna happen and i think initially when he first started like i expected that and i i didn't really appreciate how um high pressured that environment can be did you get rubbed up the wrong way sometimes by it be like geez that was a bit weird yeah totally um, yeah like i would sometimes walk away and just feel like i just i don't want to go to a bike race anymore like yeah. i just felt super awkward i don't like you don't feel welcomed but at the same time like I, I i tried to flip it and look at it like okay well how would i be how would i be like when i was working at hp we would do these massive like trade shows and events and like if mike was just like hanging out like hey ellie <laughs> like while i'm trying to talk to a customer like i'd be like okay like dude like go away now <laughs> like, so tonight, yeah. you know, so. but then on the same note you'd probably appreciate him being there but please don't just bug me you exactly know? Yeah. yeah and so i i try to look at it from you know my perspective mm. and and when i'm working like you just are in the zone and i mean for you guys like you you just you have to perform and not only is it a high pressure situation but it, it's dangerous and you just need to be in that right mindset mm. and so i I think I've I've over the years have learned to just kind of appreciate it. What do you personally? What do you do? Just say, for instance, at let's say you've come to the start of a stage or a race. How do you go about it? What's your little routine? How do you go about making it fun for you too? Yeah, uh, usually I'll try to go with another girlfriend. Mm. So uh, a good example is um, like Rachel and I were uh, Lachlan Morton's wife. Mm -hmm. uh, We're in australia this past year when when mike and Locke were doing down under and so i would go with her to the start and we'd grab a coffee we'd check out the town that it started in um we'd say hi to the guys and really like that's it then we just kind of you know give them a little good luck kiss and then walk away and just check out the area and is it then for you knowing that mike appreciates you coming to the start or do you think that is it a bit of you like I want to go to the start or you, a bit of I think I probably should go to the start because he's expecting me to come? Um, I think it's more – I think Mike would appreciate it and then also I just I just want to see him. Yeah. Like I get I get really nervous watching bike races, like just watching crashes and things like that. I just am like, Ugh, I just need to give him a kiss, you know. But um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of – you know, a little bit of both. Like, I want to be there, and I think he appreciates when I can make it out. Well, that was my next question, actually, crashes. Okay. Um, and I was going to say, do what did I have written down here? Yeah, 
do you fear them? Do you fear about the crashes? And what about, you know, like before the race, is there anything you fear or you see a crash? Are you, are you trying to find out if he's there? What's your feeling around the crashes then? Oh, I, I get super anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I do fear them. I completely do. I mean, when Mike first started, he had a lot of crashes. It was a very steep learning curve from, for him coming from running. Um, and yeah, it just, it was really hard. It's, it was hard to see them. It was hard to see the aftermath of them. Like mm. when he's back at home, you know, barely walking around. What about dealing with him in the aftermath? Yeah. I mean, Mike's a pretty positive guy. Um, so he, he's all right. Like a little bit cranky if he can't ride his bike. Cause there's mm. not that, you know, release of endorphin, you're yeah. not getting that endorphin rush, I should say. But, um, yeah, for me, it's just, it's just more that, I really, I really just see him, like, I just get worried for him. Like, I just am constantly, I see, like, if if I'm watching a race now, like, I see a pink guy go down. I'm like, who is that immediately? And and, and for other wives. So, Mike, you're like, ah, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> no, Some other guy no, like, even if it's, yeah. if it's you yeah. or if it's Locke or if it's anyone, Whatever, like, yeah. you just, you feel that because you yeah. see your own husband or your own partner. You know what they're going to go through. Yeah, 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 and, like, oftentimes I'll, I'll be you know, messaging, um, like if, if Mike goes down, I'll, I'll try to message someone who I think has some information or if one of the other guys goes down on the team, you know, I'll message their wife and see if I can help them in, mm. in any way. So yeah, there's like a crash support network, I guess you could say, <laughs> behind you guys. Yeah. What about the racing? Do you understand the racing? Do you enjoy watching it? Uh, I'm getting better. I'd yeah. say I actually really, I like watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like just now, Mike and I've been watching the Giro every day. And yeah, yeah. I at first when I first started, um, when Mike first started riding, I I had like no clue what was going on. And then now that I'm starting to understand just the tactics behind it, I I really am getting into it. Mm. Yeah, it does help. Cool. Like I think it really does help watching it when you know you've got one either someone to support or two a team to support. Yeah. And you really, you really fixate on where they are in the peloton or whatever, and it's easier to follow rather than if you're an outsider just coming in, just watching a whole peloton. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult oh, to get completely. into it, I think. And I think for me, too, coming from a running background, initially when I would watch it, I just was like, well, you know, the fittest person will win. Like that mm. was just my mentality. And that's just so not the case. Yeah. And there's, yeah, like I love the team component behind it like I love how like everyone has a different role and it can change depending on the day like I just think it's it's like a, it's actually just a beautiful sport and I'm, I'm really have over the years grown to appreciate it and like you said as as you learn more about that something else opens up you're like oh, oh I get it yeah I understand now why what, what that's all about mm-hmm. what about living with a prima donna cyclist <laughs> So, like, post-Grand Tour, you know, like, apart from the lead-up to a Grand Tour, it's like, oh, I can't do anything, make yeah. me this, you know. And then post-Grand Tour, we've had everything done for us, or even post a tour or a race, we've had everything done for us. We come back, we've got all these bad habits, our, our language is probably in the gutter as well. How's that? <laughs> I mean, Mike's cooking us dinner right now, so I would say... I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Like for the most part, I am, I'm actually so lucky with Mike. Like he, he's great. And after a grand tour, like there's definitely fatigue. You need Um, to pretend Mike's not here now because I'm feeling a lot of, would you go and do your puzzle? (laughs) Oh yeah. But, but we have had fights as you just said, like after, after grand tour. Yeah. He can be pretty ornery and, and just short tempered. And like, it's, it's, it is difficult because you know, you guys, you've been away for three weeks. Mm. And so I'm really excited to see him. And then he comes home and you're just kind of like grumpy, grumpy. And then, you know, just doesn't want to do anything. Mm. Whereas I'm like ready to go. you know. Yeah. So that, that transition can be a little bit hard. And, but I think for the, for the most part, like I am, I'm really lucky. Like Mike makes me dinner every night. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it funny? This is something that someone pointed out to me that when I come back home, it's no longer my space. This has been my wife's space for the last three, four weeks, yeah. right? And I suddenly come in day one and like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going, I'm going to make dinner this way. I'm going to put my clothes there. It's like, well, hang on. 
you need to respect that this has been not your space. Yeah, I, I definitely Is that hard that. when, yeah. Yeah, it's space, but also just day-to-day routine. Because yeah. I find when when he leaves, especially for like a longer period of time, you really just get into a rhythm of what your day-to-day looks like. And then so all of a sudden, you know, when he returns, you just have to kind of factor him into it, obviously. But mm. it's just sometimes there's initially just a, it's a little bit, you know, touch and go. Does that bug you that? he mightn't respect that straight off the bat or mightn't even notice it. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, I've also got my stuff going on here too. Yeah, I think maybe at first it did. But I think over over the years, like he's he's really um, just kind of, I've learned how to handle it. And Mm. then he's also, you know, realized that, okay, I do have my stuff going on. So he has to respect it. Yeah. Yeah, It takes a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Definitely. Um, has there anything that you've had to learn or adopt, um, you know, with a, living with a, a cyclist, you know, with your own life, mm. you know, whether it's your fitness, whether it's your diet, the mentality, you know, like, cause I could imagine there was that bit of sporting mentality before, but ultimately you were going to go down, you know, the the business line. Yeah. And it would have been a totally different mentality of life. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying there would have been a, a different focus on different things. And now it's all about, you know, supporting that motivation or getting through those peaks and troughs of, you know, the low points because you know you got to help him through motivation or even just get through the rough patches when he's grumpy, like you said. Yeah. But then also on the other side, like he might be trying to lose a whole lot of weight and you just, you can't, you've got to be on board. You know, it's like, well, I actually feel like a bottle of wine tonight. Mike's, well, I'm not going to drink, you know, like, and that's no fun <laughs> sitting there drinking on your own. Yeah. So, like, have you had to ad- adopt those things? Yeah, d- for, for sure. Um, but I, I do think because Mike came into the sport a little bit later, it's a little bit unique for us in the sense that we did kind of make this decision uh, from the start together. Like, for me, this goal of Mike becoming a professional cyclist uh, was also my goal. Mm. And so I, I obviously like my, where my expectations were at the beginning to, you know, where they are now, um, things have completely changed, but yeah, like I definitely have adapted in ways like I continually to adapt. Like we, we've recently become residents of Andorra. Like mm. there's just a lot of things that, you know, we, we figure out, um, along the way, but yeah, I'd say ultimately we've always approached this like as a, as a partnership. And for me, it's just like a really cool experience. Yeah. And if that means like, you know, he's going to be grumpy sometimes, like I, I'll take it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, for the most part, it's been, it's been pretty, it's been pretty great. Like there's obviously some ups and downs along the way and some rough patches, but we both just look at this as like a, a re- just a really cool opportunity. Well, what's the worst thing then about being married to a cyclist? Ah. Uh, Hmm. I mean, it's pretty great. <laughs> the worst thing. Oh, well then what's the best thing? Um, I mean, the best thing is just, I think living in Girona, living in Andorra, like being able to explore the world, meeting so many cool people and hmm. just people that I think are doing things a little bit differently, like not your typical, you know, job nine to five, like it, everyone's for the most part living a, a pretty unique lifestyle mm. and I, I really like that I, you, you meet some really interesting people along the way have great conversations and you just kind of realize you know life there's not just one way to, to do something and yeah. there's not just one way, right way to do something so I love that aspect of it yeah worst worst um I'd probably say like the mood swings yeah right. yeah actually yeah like even even like when you come home from a long ride and he's just crushed and I you don't want to hang out and talk and he just wants nothing of it. Like that sometimes is difficult. Has there been any of recent time when he's come home? Uh, I'd say that we're in indoor right now and <laughs> Mike's laughing in the background, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the initially coming up to, to altitude yeah. the first few days were a little rough. Yeah. He's struck the post mitch ride. ride. Mike says, yeah, Mike uh, was here. Yeah. He got, I think his got ridden out of here. my wheel. Yeah. <laughs> up a climb. He came home and he was 
yeah, he was so cracked. He just he just sat on the couch and didn't talk to me. That's laughable though, isn't it? When yeah, like you, I think you, it's more funny than anything. When you heard it, you're like, really, Mitch? Yeah. Oh, that's just hilarious. Yeah. You are unfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, it maybe is the worst thing, but at the same time, I also think it's really funny. So. Does Mike try and get you out on the bike? Yeah, he does. Um, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. Uh, do you I, like that? I do. I, I really like it. He really challenges me. I always think I'm a really shit cyclist because, I mean, I'm comparing myself to him, mm. which um, it's kind of good when I go out with other people. I realize, like, oh, I'm not actually that bad. <laughs> so, But I, I do really like it. Um, yeah, we've gone through a few rides uh, in Ottawa together and Girona, and I'm hoping to get out in Andorra too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of climbs here. I know Rana Gerens, um, Simon's wife, she did it two years in a row when the Vuelta was on. They used to live up here, and yeah. she ticked off. There's 21 climbs here, and so she'd try and tick off a climb every stage of the Vuelta. Oh wow! That's and it cool. was she was an ex she was an ex cyclist herself, so she knew how to ride a bike well. And but that's no easy feat, I tell you, because yeah. some of the climbs are. No, they're so hard. So if Mike does the Vuelta this year, it's a good little little challenge yeah. there. <laughs> I'll set that too. All right. Well, does it get bitchy between the wags? Uh, honest, not that I've experienced. No? No, like, I, everyone that I've met in Girona, they're just great people. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've, I've actually made some really, really good friends here. And I'd say I have more friends here now in Europe than I do even in Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is a unique situation in the sense that, um, in Girona specifically, like, we're all living within a three-kilometer radius of each other, but... You do you do kind of find obviously like the people you connect with and you gravitate towards yeah. you know them more than others, but everyone that I met like you you really kind of are you're in this together and everyone's going through the same thing and it's just a really supportive community. Yeah, I think that's a really yeah. good point. What you said it's it's not only that all the people who come to live there they're not Spanish pro cyclists living there and feeling no. in their home. It's we're all expats there. Yeah, exactly. And we're all going through the same thing one way or another and. The thing that I was thinking about before when I said to you, you know, what's the best thing is also the lifestyle we're living, it's, it is a fitness sort of lifestyle, you know, and everyone's trying to be fit and healthy and it sort of rubs off on you and you can't, you're not finding yourself going down the, you know, the pub every night having no. a beer or whatever. It's just, not that that's a bad thing, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, you do get in these, these dark sort of depressive area times where it's, things are all too hard, but doesn't take long before you meet another couple or someone else and they help you pull you out of that. And I think that helps that network, doesn't it? Oh yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Like we've really, uh, we've met just some people that I'm, I'm hoping even outside of Mike's career in cycling or our lifetime friends. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much for coming on the pod. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully Mike's cooked up, cooked us up a nice little dinner over there. Yeah. Is dinner ready, Mike? Almost. Almost. <laughs> All right. Well, um, beautiful. Thanks very Thanks much for so coming much. on the pod. Well, there we go. I hope that gave everyone a little insight to what life is like in the Peloton for our partners living over here in Europe. As you heard, it's not all cupcakes and tea parties, but a great opportunity and a life experience for all. Do you want to say hi? Hi. Thanks again for my producer, Lara. For behind the scenes and all that stuff there that no one will ever get to see but makes this podcast come alive. Hi. And that's my little man there. Make sure you get in touch with us and send us some feedback. Until then, bye-bye.